This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Thank you for listening to the Covert Nerd Podcast. I really appreciate the time that you give me. Before we get into the episode, if you can think of somebody that would like this topic that you're about to listen to, please pause the podcast and share it with them. You can also go to covertnerd.net and look at previous episodes and different ways that you can get in touch with me. Let me know what you think. Without further ado, let's dive right in and nerd it up. HeroQuest expert, Kurgan, he's been on the show before, so I'll put a link in the show notes to the previous episode that he was on, but he's a, a big fan of HeroQuest. He's got a Twitch channel, YouTube, Discord, all that fun stuff, and I'll put a link in the show notes for all of that too so you can follow him. So thanks for being on the show, Kurgan. I appreciate it. Hey, Lee. Thanks for having me on the Covert Nerd Podcast. I was going to say, uh, we've both grown since uh, since our last meeting. Like I, I think when we first started, you were just like, well, do you have anything to uh, plug or promote? And I'm like, nope, don't have anything. But now, yeah, we've, we've grown. The HeroQuest fans community has gotten pretty big, and I can't take credit for it because I had a lot of help from a lot of people. But I, I love the way it's just kind of organically grown. Of course, now we got to compete with Avalon Hill's own Discord, but they were pretty nice about it. It's like, yeah, we're going to do our own thing now, but thanks for showing us how it's done, so to speak. No, your your Discord channel is way more active than theirs. So, and yeah, you're right. I remember, you know, a year or so ago, your Twitch channel, YouTube channel is just, you know, a few followers. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of the de facto destination if you want in-depth hero quest information. That it's it's great. It's a good place to be. So, yeah. I'm honored to hear that. Congratulations. Because, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Of course, you get other people out there. Uh, Amalgamash is a big one. Sir Death, uh, always bored, never boring. Um, there's a lot of just people that do like just general gaming channels. There's a, several board games guys, and like they have way more followers. So when they do like a one-off video about Hero Quest, it's like boom, it just explodes. And I'm like, oh man, I wish wish I was that popular. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you got to start somewhere. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I still kind of get disappointed when I do like a video that's not on the topic of hero quest and like nobody watches it it's like darn it <laughs> well i was still doing it for me it was still fun yeah. for me <laughs> hey that's that's what i would say if it's fun for you that's the main yeah. thing speaking of fun mm-hmm. kurgan we've got yes. uh announcement yesterday i believe from avalon hill so as of this recording there's a a little easter egg in their announcement in the back so there's something new coming out what do you think we're gonna see i guess kurgan and or what do you hope to see all my expectations were blown away. So I was warned ahead of time that PulseCon was not going to be like Gen Con. Like Gen Con, they went all out for HeroQuest. Chris Nato, who goes by various pseudonyms on uh, Discord and everything, and his pops up now and then to say, oh, actually, it's not that. It's this. He was like running around the field, like back and forth, you know, just sweating, trying to like get from booth to booth, like explaining stuff. I was really excited about that. Now, they kind of warned us ahead of time, PulseCon is going to, it's all going to be HeroScape and G.I. Joe and everything else, and you're not going to get any hero quests. And so we were all, our expectations were low. But then, yeah, we got this clearly doctored photo that N. Carmine put on um, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter, where, yeah, it was f- framing the old video that they did when they first teased the Frozen Horror remake in the background and it's like zooms right in on the guy and there's this box prominently behind his head and it's like hmm we're just gonna have to chill out while we wait about that sort of thing i think that was doug hopkins that said that and then patrick and there was a couple other people i don't remember all their names um 
something Van Ness. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting. But yeah, so in this video, they just clipped that out, that box, and they superimposed a new box, which we'd never seen before, which, like the Frozen Horror, had no title. So by the time you read this, you'll, you'll may know the title if they reveal that in a few days or so. But obviously they're teasing what to me looks like an extensive expansion, and this time it's brand new. It's not a remake of because we were throwing that throwing that out there. It's like, oh, is this the Dark Company from, you know, Master Edition? Is this, you know, the Wizard Quest pack? And it's like, nope, nope, nope. This is completely new. This is a brand new. And it's like, wow, great. So I'm excited about that. And it, what it looks to be is something as expansive as, pardon the pun there, uh, the Frozen Horror. In other words, a box of miniatures, cards, tiles, all that, you know, quest book. I guess my first thought was like, hmm, I hope they don't screw that up. <laughs> but I always think that with franchise stuff, because unfortunately we have had so many letdowns in the world of fandom, not necessarily from Hasbro. Yeah, just companies in general. I'm always a little bit skeptical until I see it for myself. But it, at this point, it could be anything. It really could be anything. I'm confident that they know what they're doing and it could potentially be very good because they have given us new content in the form of the Mythic tier quest books, which unfortunately most fans have not gotten to see. I'm saying most because we're talking about millions of people worldwide, not just the 10,000 or 20,000 people that bought the pledge version back in 2020 and then you know have since got it and people are trying to get it off eBay and stuff. So I think they definitely have the capability. I'm really curious to hear like who wrote the quests, but even knowing that won't really tell us much because I remember being skeptical about the Stephen Baker quest book that we got thinking like, oh man, does he really still have it? I mean, it's been decades since he wrote anything. So is it really going to be good? And it turned out to be Prophecy of Teller seemed pretty, pretty awesome. And people were bad mouthing Teo Sabadia saying, oh man, this guy's just some D&D hack. He doesn't know anything. And it was like, yeah, his, his quest book was all right. You know, yeah. not too bad, not too shabby. And Joe Maginello and, you know, we know how that went. You know, it's like, ah, some, some actor, yeah, whatever. It's like, uh, you know, it, it had its charm. It <laughs> so, did, it did. So there's a lot we don't know. Yeah. But people have speculated quite a bit from the box art. I don't know if you want me to get into that. Can't judge a book by its cover. I love speculation, so give us your opinion mm -hmm. on what do you think, based on the box art, might be in the box. Yeah, because we can't hear the people saying wrong, 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 because they know. <laughs> uh, so with hindsight, so we're just completely raw at this at this point. Yeah, the box shows what appears to be the four heroes: barbarian, dwarf, elf, wizard. I don't know why I always feel like I have to clarify that, just in case somebody's catching it and doesn't know what Hero Quest is. Yeah, so you've got those, but then you've also got what appears to be a knight. I mean, like a classic knight. He's got the helmet and the plume and the cape and the big sword and the shield. Yeah, so there's like five heroes apparently. And they're surrounded by foes, and you've got your stereotypical, like, pointed-ear elf characters out there, what may be an orc, and then some characters that are harder to see, so they look like maybe ghosts, because I'm thinking of, like, the spectral orcs from Spirit Queen's Torment. And some people are saying, oh, it looks like a, one of those, like, you know, centaur characters where they're half-human, half-spider. <laughs> And it's like, ah, it's hard to tell because we're zooming in on this low-res image and like people are enhancing it and up-converting up it and trying to like sharpen it and figure out what it is. Some of that stuff could be anything, but there's some creatures that you're fighting and some of them look like they could be elves or orcs. So 
one of the theories is that this is either a prequel or a sequel to the Mage of the Mirror Elf expansion. It's like, hmm, okay, interesting. So there's unfinished business after the first one, or this is leading up to some kind of bridge. And then there's speculation that this will somehow incorporate the Guardian Knight character in there, because there's been a lot of talk ever since the apology, ever since the Guardian Knight sold out and people were mad, and they're still mad about it. People are still trying to buy it for $180 on various online markets. Like, I mean, and Carmine, of course, Chris Nato, I think it's an open secret of who he is uh, at Hasbro slash Avalon Hill. They hate the scalper market because it's like, man, these guys are making a killing. We're not getting any of that cash <laughs> at all. And it's our own fault because we misjudged how many units to put out there or didn't put them out fast enough or whatever. So they're really dedicating themselves to retail releases now, which I think is the right thing to do. So I think this gives them a perfect opportunity to say, well, yes, I know we said that was an exclusive, and it was, but here's a re-sculpt, re-packaging of the same concept, you know, of a knight. I mean, he's got the same stats and the same skills, except it's part of another expansion. So if you already own it, you can still buy this. And if you missed it, you can say, well, at least I've got it in this other pack so everybody's happy because they're trying to make as many fans happy as possible and undercut scalpers so i think that's a good thing i think they've got the right idea if they're trying to make the most money and build the fan goodwill and all that so i would say i'm what i would expect until i hear otherwise is it'll be just like the frozen horror in terms of like that package you get so like 10 quests i don't know if there'll be solo quests probably a new at least one new hero figure in there New monsters, tiles, cards, as to what they'll be, who knows? Could be treasure, artifacts, spells. I mean, if we're following the template. But I know that with the Frozen Horror, we a lot of people had this expectation. Oh, this is how they're going to do it from now on. We're going to get colored dice. We're going to get new character sheets. And it's going to be, you know, there's going to be extras of mercenaries. That's how it's going to be. But then they showed us the uh, Mage of the Mirror preview at Gen Con and it wasn't that way. All of a sudden we had like extra furniture. It's like, huh? <laughs> so there's probably gonna be some type of surprise in there. But the fact that this would be a brand new pack means there's no expectations. So it could be anything. But I think they've sort of tested the waters enough. They've gotten enough experience, build their confidence up that they could get deliver a great product. And I think fans would accept it rather than going, no, this is not what I wanted. This is not, you know, because they can still remake that other stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. They got plenty Down of stuff line. to pull from, and and yeah. I I think you're right. They're they're trying to keep the existing fans happy and trying to garner some new ones. And I guess that leads to in, into one of my questions here. Now that the newness of Hero Quest is 2021, you know the getting the last year getting the new new release. How has your opinion changed? of Hasbro and HeroQuest overall compared to what it was before the new re-release came out? Yeah, well, I think during the pledge drive itself, I had kind of a, you know, conversion experience because when I first heard that HeroQuest was coming back, I thought, oh no, it's going to be like so many other things. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of hype and it's going to be some forgettable, they don't have it anymore, they don't know what made it famous like so many other rebooted franchises it's going to crash it's going to burn or worse they're going to ruin it yes. they're going to destroy it 
the memory is going to be tarnished. Of course, as a classic fan, I thought, well, that doesn't affect me because I have the old game. I can go right back to it. But I would feel bad if, you know, new kids coming up hear about HeroQuest and they're like, oh, yeah, that's that kind of like mediocre thing that nobody yes. likes. Like, no, 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 that was the remake. Forget that. So I didn't have to do all that. So by the end of the pledge drive, I was convinced, okay, this is going to be a good product. I only hope they bring it to stores. And people were like, yeah, yeah, of course they will. Of course, then you had people saying, no, they won't. Yeah, I remember that discussion. Yeah, yeah. I, it was like, that was the thing. That's, it's like, oh, okay, I can let out a sigh of relief. It's coming to retail. It's going to be out there for a while. More people will get to see it. So that was my going from extreme skepticism to acceptance that this is going to be okay. And yeah, we had all those discussions about, well, what if they change it? They change the names of certain monsters, and that's going to make people angry. And it's like it didn't even matter because, I mean, you watch some of my streams on Twitch or YouTube where we're playing the game and it's like I keep saying Chaos Warriors and it's like, yeah. OK, is someone going to sue me for this? No, <laughs> nah. I hope not. Better not. Well, I won't get into that. But, yeah, it's like people just play the game how they always wanted to. But still, there was that sense that, yeah, a lot of these fans that are buying the remake are not actually like they're the parents like they were kids who grew up and now they're introducing their kids to it. So they're going, yeah, yeah, we used to call these Fimmers, you know, and these were Chaos Warriors. And yeah, Zargon's a guy. I mean, I know it doesn't really say if it's a guy or girl, but we know. But when you play a Zargon, little girl, you can, you know, make it your own thing. So it's like there'd be that guidance, you know, show the appreciation in the where where we've come. But But I still wanted like new people to be able to experience it fresh and go this is really good i can see why this was a classic you know in the world of fantasy board gaming and i think we're we've gotten that and so i have a very positive at least i recall a lot of people myself included you would say prior to the release you were still a little skeptical just because yeah being burned by franchises now but i think i'm very impressed with hasbro avalon hill how they've handled it since then would you agree with that has it been pretty good since yes. then yes yes and i'm and i don't want anybody to think like i'm sucking up to them either because i think there's a fear or a perception out there that like oh influencers like since i'm a small time guy like i could be easily like influenced yeah yeah <laughs> you know be like oh i'm gonna be starstruck because this guy from hasbro is like talking to us on on stream aren't i special and like i better like stay on his good side like i mean there's some thought that okay well if i'm too harsh on these products he's just gonna like be like screw you guys i don't think so i mean i think they they would be diplomatic to try to like if they think that we're the real fans like oh no these guys are outliers they don't count they'll spend their time wisely because that's what marketing is i'm not in marketing or sales but from what i understand it's like you don't deliberately blow people off you try to win their trust and yes, there's a kind of give and take, a kind of utilitarian manipulation or whatever. But so I kind of keep that, try to keep that professional distance. But at the same time, it's like, oh, yeah, I want to tell you guys something like, sure, go ahead. Like, what is it? Because my reaction is not guaranteed. You know, I'm still going to try to evaluate it as a old school fan. And someone can always write me off and say, yeah, yeah, he's some old school fan. Yeah, but the kids these days, they want something else. It's like, hopefully they're not that shallow with it. And I'm sure they're pretty sophisticated. So I think, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Your underlying question was? Maybe you're the same way as the bar was kind of low at the beginning anyway. So the fact that we're getting all these releases in a fairly timely manner and they look good. 
we're getting great content, I think is why we're, we're positive, at least in my opinion, is just the, the bar was low to start with, I guess. We were afraid we were going to get burned again. So that was kind of the... I think I don't want it to come across that, oh, our expectations were so low because everything sucks in the world of fandom that we just were shocked that it wasn't terrible. And so we gave it a pass. No, I think there's still there's still room for improvement in small areas. And there's still the potential for catastrophe with new products because it's always a risk. But I think I think we're in good hands. And I think the main positive thing for me, other than just the idea that HeroQuest is back and people can play it if they want to easily without having to scour eBay, is that they appear to be listening to feedback. I think at first I kind of thought, well, maybe it's fake. Like maybe they plan to do the miniatures and all the different colors all along. And they just kind of held out to see, oh, will people really demand that? Or could we save a few bucks? Like if they don't care, <laughs> but I think they are, I mean, or the Druid, you know, they put out the Druid and people made fun of it. I mean, we talked about that. So in small ways or maybe in big ways that can make a big impact on production. It's like, oh, we printed a thousand of these and everybody hates it now. It's like, no, they listened. So the fact that they're visibly listening to feedback and that continues to happen. I mean, everybody complained about the, what I call the candy trays, the little plastic that you pop them in out in the boxes, how that, because it's fine if you rip it out the first time and throw it away. But if you put it back in the box after you're done playing as a good little boy or girl, like you're going to be annoyed. Cause it's like, oh man, every time I got to rip these out of the, box and they got to cram that box in like there's so much air in there and you got to press it down so they came out with a new box a new retail box that's like smaller and it's got a clear plastic sheet that you can just lift off and the pieces just gently come right out it's like oh why couldn't they have done that the first time but at least they listen to feedback they improve the product even though everything is the same and i just watched uh, an unboxing i forget the guy's name it was something in french but he was he like opened up the book and I just love this guy, even though the language barrier, because he went right to the page and he's like, yep, they forgot to correct that. And he flipped over and he's like, yep, still the same, <laughs> still the same. And I'm like, it's true, <laughs> because you had that error in uh, was it um, Lair of the Orc Warlord where there's like a pit trap right next to a treasure chest. And he's like, see, it's still there. But but that's the kind of thing that fans care about is it's like, OK, the attention to detail let you know what you're getting with the product because if i had one criticism still is the marketing is kind of weird and it, it may be i'm just imagining because i i don't work for that company i'm not in on their meetings or anything i imagine it's because their budget is probably smaller than like gi joe or power rangers and they probably are just like okay this is what you have to work with and do the marketing as best you can and so maybe in the past and we talked about this on the rant cast with strange bus is uh like, don't spend all your time on Twitter. Like, not everybody's on Twitter. A lot of people don't like to hang out there because it's really annoying. I mean, we had the whole thing with Elon Musk trying to buy it, and then they said, oh, it's 30% bots. And no, it's only 5% bots. It's like, that's still, that's a lot of bots. <laughs> and that's a lot of negativity. I mean, we're not, we're not toxic fandom. We're just regular people trying to get information. So I think they've improved a lot. You know, they opened the Discord channel. They've hung out with us. They've gone all over the place. So I think it's getting easier and easier to get information but i think they got off to a rocky start with how do you know the product exists well you're sur surfing the web randomly one day and all of a sudden some like australian sellers like pre-order 
you know, one year from now, like what, what is that hero quest? Huh? <laughs> like that's all we got. You know, it's like, it seems like kind of a weird way to get people's attention. Um, and they've tried to enlighten us, you know, educate us that the fact is, you know, it's the board game world. So there's all this prototyping that has to happen. They have to produce the stuff, the supply chain. It's not like a video game where, yeah, there's a lot of work involved, but you could just like be updating the code all the way up until release date and have day one patches. With board games, it's like, okay, it's going to take a while and they got to print the stuff and run it all off and look at it. So I think they're being more transparent with us. I mean, as much as they can legally. Um, and it's getting easier to communicate with them and hear about stuff. And I think they are listening and they are making improvements along the way. So I appreciate that. And I think as a fan, as a customer, that builds my confidence, that creates loyalty, it builds rapport. So all those things are important as a company. Because, yeah, down the road, you're just going to be like, you, you, all this drama and behind-the-scenes stuff is not going to matter. It's just going to be like, oh, there's a game on the shelf. Let's buy it. But the game's longevity is bolstered by that attitude and that give and take and that community that's created. Speaking of pulling games on the off the shelf, are you hearing about new players coming to HeroQuest? I mean, we, we, we talked about earlier about parents introducing it to their kids. Are you hearing anything out there in, in the wild about kids or people just going to a store, going on Amazon and seeing, oh, what's this HeroQuest game? I think I'm going to check that out. To be honest with you, I, I have not heard that. But then I'm kind of thinking, like, how would I know that? Unfortunately, the way entertainment and fandom is, it's kind of like a self-selecting, like, echo chamber-y kind of group. So the people I hang out with are people that already know about this game. And so, again, it's just bringing, roping in family members, um... But like the strange bus, you know, he, he runs the rant cast. We've done that together and he does like star Wars gaming almost, you know, that's his, like his main thing. He wasn't interested in this at all before this, but I showed it to him and it's like, I kind of thought, okay, he's, he's helping me out. Cause you know, we're friends in real life and this is cool, but he seems to genuinely like the game and wanted his own copy. And it's like, okay, well that can happen too. So there's an example. And I think before this, he had played like star Wars D and D, which I played like a handful of times. But I've also had some uh, dedicated D&D players, so like shout out to PSK and a couple of those guys. They were just like, again, I took it as, oh, here's a here's a new up and coming streamer. Let me help him out, you know, but they seem to genuinely have a good time and they come back occasionally. So it's like, all right, well, the game has some appeal, not just to people who remember it from the 80s, you know, yeah, <laughs> early 90s. I've I've seen different posts all over the place about the same story you just said where they introduced it to a new person they're like wow this is a cool game sure there is where people have introduced it to somebody like this game is stupid you know but i haven't heard that so i think maybe it's growing that way and the fact that the sales have been or at least appear to be pretty darn good so somebody out there is buying it because the prices have been going up and it's hard to find in some some areas so i think there, it could be two things. It could be there's a lot of people playing it or they just underprinted the first release, maybe, and they just didn't anticipate the the excitement or the, the purchasing interest. Well, the fact that they were still making public statements about, oh, we didn't know how big the fan was. The fact that they're still saying that, like they still don't know how popular it is. I mean, yeah, it takes time for it to filter down. Like I haven't seen the sales figures, but the fact that they're still, it's like, okay, 
things move slowly in the world of board gaming, I guess, you know, before they really know what's going on. So even though we're like, oh, made up my mind just like that. Okay, let's go. Let's move on. It's like, okay, well, it takes takes longer than that to, to get a board game rolling. I can understand that. I could sort of imagine somebody at Hasbro going, wait a minute, this is all based on word of mouth, like from a handful of like old fans. This is not going to make much money. Let's keep it on the back burner. And if that's the case, if that's the way they're thinking, I guess it could be a good thing for hardcore fans like me because that means they're not going to tinker with it much. They're just going to kind of keep it the way it is. Maybe give more free reign to the design team. Just keep them in tune with us. But on the other hand, I'm also thinking, well, if they see the potential in HeroQuest, they're going to throw more money at it. Maybe they're going to give them more resources to use. I mean, imagining, again, how the company works, because I don't know. I don't work there. I have to keep saying that because I could just imagine someone going, ah, he doesn't work for us. He doesn't know anything. What's he talking about? You know, you're not, you are not there. Is that, okay, as it gets bigger, okay, there's more potential for failure. Like, okay, their sales are going up. It's going up. Oh, 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 they had a dip. Okay, now what do we do? Like so many franchises we've seen, they get desperate. And so then they just resort to, okay, we'll just throw something wild out there that makes no sense and or we'll just do lots of fan service like just really just boring like squeezing out just stuff that just is i don't know low quality like low effort kind of thing like low low hanging fruit so all those are all those things are potential pitfalls for the franchise so i hope they ride it through try to stick to their guns in terms of like we know this this is our game we know our game we know what made it popular it's the core is about and we can take little risks here and there but we'll still kind of keep it mainly what it needs to be and that will appeal to whoever it appeals to but yeah how how do they market market it to new people i think what they should do or what they could do is go back to its roots which is okay fantasy tabletop gaming is really awesome but not a lot of people are convinced of that so how do you convince them well, okay, so you show them Critical Role, like watch ten episodes of Critical Role, and then you'll then you'll be on our side. It's like, yeah, that may not sell everybody, because that's not that's not really how most people play D and D anyway. I mean, get a bunch of actors and a you know a nice set and like good lighting. It's like, nah, it's just a bunch of people like having a good time and messing around most of the time, and then playing the game for a small portion of that time, and then <laughs> it goes on and on. So. I think if they just market it as this is an easy way to see if fantasy tabletop gaming is for you. Anybody can learn it. It's all in the box. Don't feel like you have to buy like a million things. Everyone complains about with Warhammer 40k and all that. It's like, oh man, I got to buy so much stuff and I got to paint so much stuff. It's just too much. You know, people feel like, oh, this is a hobby for, you know, nerds. Well, it is, but I mean, this is a hobby for people who have, who don't have a family to take care of and who've got a job and they don't have time to like paint. It's like, no, no, Hero Quest is easy. You just take it out of the box, you play it. You can learn the rules in like 10 minutes and just, you can play. Yes, it's true. The games can go on for a couple, couple of hours, but if you want the game to be shorter, it can be played very quickly if you want to. I think all of those are strengths of the game. And then the opposite is also true. So a lot of D&D players who haven't played HeroQuest before will say, well, I heard that game is simple. It's made for like eight-year-olds. And it's like, ah, I, I prefer a sophisticated, you know, gritty game. It's like, but the thing is, 
if you're if you've played enough RPGs, you know that even though the rules tell you what to do, it's still just a guide. You can do whatever you want. It's it's not like you have to learn to code to like make new levels. You can just get out your paper, use your imagination, and you can make it as complex or simple as you want to. So it's very flexible, very easy. And they and they make it easy because they give you the blank map, you know, and they teach you that one miniature can stand in for something else because they give you the evil chaos warlock with the skull and it's like, yeah, but he could be a good guy too. It's like, oh, really? Okay, what a concept, you know? And you can flip this tile over and it could be something else, you know, and use this for that. And so it teaches you the basics of just being creative with a game. Some people may graduate, so to speak, from HeroQuest to other games, or they may stick with HeroQuest. It's fine, but it, it lets you get into it. It makes that world much more accessible. And so I think that sells it, and you can make the game whatever you want. That sells it too. Yeah, you're right. You can make it as simple or as complicated as you want. I know I play with my daughter a lot with HeroQuest, and sometimes she's in the mood for just, I just want a, a quick quest. And so I'll just take the existing quest and modify it. And sometimes she's like, yeah, I'm kind of moved for a harder quest today. And so we'll make it a longer quest, you know? It's so it's uh, kind of nice to have that capability to do that. And I think that's what is appealing about the game is when, when we were kids and we saw it on the shelf or somebody introduced it to us was the, both the simplicity and the complexity if you want it to make it that way which uh, leads into another question what did you love about hero quest when you played it as a kid and is that the same back then as it is now i think uh the biggest appeal for hero quest back in the day um so when i was 12 <laughs> yeah. was that i and i think this is what grabs me about a lot of games and i don't think this is just my experience i think this is true for a lot of people you experience other forms of entertainment. So books, comic books, movies, cartoons, whatever. And you kind of start to imagine, well, what would it be like if me and Conan the Barbarian were on an adventure together? Or what if I was on the Death Star? Like, what would I do? You know, or, or I want to be Spider-Man, you know, but I can't. And so by putting you in the driver's seat in this game, it immediately gives you that you know, because I mean, I just remember opening up the box with my brother and being like, there's orcs in here. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> this is Lord of the Rings. Like, oh, oh, I get it. So we could be doing something like that. You know, there's goblins and oh, a wizard. Yeah. Like uh, King Arthur. Oh, yeah. Like Merlin or Gandalf. And so you start to get ideas of thinking like, OK, I know this is not that thing, but it's something like that that I can experience. Like I read something once uh, which blew me away, which was that Doom, you know, D-O-O-M, those first-person shooters, like it wasn't just a, an original thing. Like you're fighting demons with a shotgun. That's weird. And it was like, oh, no, it was based on Alien and Aliens. It's like, oh, okay. So you get you're like, I'm feeling like I'm in Aliens, you know, and I'm fighting, except, you know, it's disguised as something else. So HeroQuest kind of gives you that um, way of like living a story. And then you can take it in any direction you want. Like, I didn't take it as far as a lot of people did. Like, you interviewed uh, the one guy who did, I forget his name. He did the uh, Star Wars, like Clone Wars, like mod of HeroQuest. It was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> he put a lot of effort into that. Yeah, he incorporated all the, his kids and him incorporated all the Star Wars characters, but just used the, yeah. the frame of HeroQuest. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, oh, this is a game engine that I could use for anything I want, not just 
the fantasy sword and sorcery, you yeah. know, quasi D and D slash Tolkien, you know, Lord of the Rings <laughs> world. Yeah, but at the same time, like I really liked that kind of mythos, even though it wasn't exactly the same. It's like, oh, okay, it's not Middle Earth; it's you know, Britannia and the Empire and whatever, whatever the old world. Like, yeah. okay, yeah, I pretty much know what it is. I mean, it's the same appeal of something like Lone Wolf. It's like, yeah, I know it's Magnamund, but I feel like I'm in like the D and D world. It's just yeah. everything's kind of a different name, and but it gives you more freedom because then you're not kind of hemmed in by, oh, well, that wouldn't happen in canon. It's like, oh, maybe something else similar could happen. You can, it gives you more freedom to have your own adventure. So that was definitely the appeal there. And I think also the fact that it was open-ended. It's like, wait a minute. All a broadsword is is just three dice. That's all it is. Like, it could be anything. It's like, hmm, interesting. So I could just say, well, wait, what if there's another kind of sword that's four dice? Or what if, you know, oh, the magic spell, all it does is just makes you miss a turn. Well, what if I make it so that you gain a turn? Or, you know, you could just, it, it showed you how easy it was to change the game to something else. And I think we mostly just kept it within the same realm. Like, oh, this is the quest that happens after Return of the Witch Lord and on and on and on. But yeah, other people took it in other directions. So I think the what still appeals to me is the setting, because there's nostalgia for that. And I still enjoy that that world and that lore and, and aesthetic and everything, even though it's slightly changed in the remake. Um, but I think the open-endedness of it appeals to me even more because... I feel like putting even more effort into changing it and updating it. I think we talked about in one of our first uh, interviews where it was, um, or discussions, where it was, I said, well, yeah, my brother did most of the quest creation and I mostly just played them. Like I didn't really create that many myself. And I kind of thought, ah, I'm not very good at it. But then that inspired me to do those uh, dwarf quests. And I, I every so often I'll, yeah, I'll think to myself, oh yeah, you know, I could add another thing to it. I came up with a different ending uh, to it. Uh, rather than the Stephen King, everything blows up at the end. It's like, oh, that's kind of that's anticlimactic. Eh, let's do something else. So I think the creativity aspect has kept me in. And I think it could for a lot of people, too. Because it's like, okay, you played the game. You've enjoyed the game. Now make your own game. Yes, I love that concept. And it's for kids, it's also very tactile. So that's what makes it... D and D is awesome, but for for somebody that's say ten or, or like you said eight, nine, ten year old, tactile having something to touch is is very alluring. It definitely is because kids kids have a great imagination. So you think, okay, all right, you're in a room, down the hall, <laughs> twenty feet from here, there's a guy hiding behind the rocks with a knife. Like, okay, can I see him if I move over? It's like, okay. There's that, and there's like, okay, yeah, um, the war gamer way of doing it. Like, okay, I got my tape measure out. Okay, what's the wind speed? And all right, let's roll my 20 dice. And okay, let's figure out, let's do the diagram. Can I hit him? What's his armor? It's like, okay, that's that's there's a certain appeal to that. But yeah, just having uh, a bunch of pieces on the board, which are not just, yeah, yeah, your guy's kind of vaguely out in this area, and you know he's still alive, he's still standing, is actually like, oh, it's 12 squares from here to the next room. Let's roll the dice. Okay. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, I'm almost there. Okay. Let's hurry this along. Oh, I'm in the room now. Oh, there's two monsters. Like, it's very logical. 
So it teaches the kids all those aspects. And if they played even one other board game before, they get it. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I drew this card. So now it's I got to do this. So it's very, yeah, it's very logical. And, yeah, like you say, tactile, because as a kid, I like to, you know, pick up the monster and kind of look at, oh, yeah, yeah. That that orc, he looks like he's just so happy to be here. Like, he just can't wait to kill somebody. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love it, you know. Or the, the dwarf, he's just chilling out, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, we would do funny things. Like, we would just, like any kid, you know, you take, because you're picking up the pieces. And the barbarian, we'd always pick him up by the sword and carry him around. Because the sword is the biggest piece on there. But, I mean, we would, like, like tilt the guy over and be like, oh, yeah, he's poking him with the sword. Like, you're playing with toys it's like okay well <laughs> yeah i remember my kids would broke out the old quest and they would just play with the figures and kind of make little stories and stuff so this is very tactile you mentioned the, the dwarf quest that you made explain to the listener then how do you create quests and are there any tips about story creation that might help inspire help people make their own quests with a lot of quests now looking at uh, at them because there's there's various websites now that have tried to collect like the hero quest quests from the past because officially you had you know white dwarf magazine releasing a, i guess quasi official quests and those are ones i'm not sure could be released now because i guess they'd have to get permission of whoever well from games workshop first of all because that was their official magazine and then who wrote it but i mean lots of people made quests and where did those quests end up you know they could have just been thrown out with the trash or they could have ended up in some attic somewhere but occasionally you'll go on ebay and you'll find like just a pile of like scribbled notes like what is this can you sell this it's like i don't know it it was in my hero quest box you can have it it's like oh interesting but when you're reading that you always got to realize this was probably like you know 9 10 11 12 year old and maybe it made sense to them but you're reading it and you're like that's kind of silly, <laughs> kind of childish, but it's also cute because you're getting a glimpse into somebody else's, you know, life. And it's like, oh, nice. So I guess when I was creating my quest, there was a lot of pressure on me because I thought, oh, man, like I talk a big game about how don't ever do this and don't do that. And but now people are going to look at my stuff and pick it apart and go, eh, you, you could have done better with that, really. So I was trying to incorporate a lot of things that I'd heard and seen. I guess in my mind, I was thinking like, okay, I'm playing through the Frozen Horror now as of this speaking. And it's it's like, this is going to take us a year because these quests are long. They're like twice as long as the game system quests, if not more. Like, I think I've taken like four hours to complete a quest. Whereas like I've seen other people complete them like two or one and a half. It's like, okay, I'm going slow. I know I'm going slow. And part of it's because I do participation with the chat. But anyway, all that aside, when I was writing the quest, I was one of the things I was thinking about was time. Like, okay, the more monsters I put on board, the longer the quest is going to take. And since I was trying to do a solo quest, I had criticized the elf and barbarian quest packs a lot because they threw you into these solo quests and they and they build it as this is a perfect opportunity for a brand new player to enjoy this. And then they proceed to just destroy you with like one of the most difficult quests you could imagine. Like, forget the trial. It's like this is way harder than the trial, and you're by yourself. And so thinking about, okay, if you take a character like the dwarf, who doesn't have any magic to speak of, he's he can't heal himself. Like, there's all this these ways that this could go wrong very quickly. And if it's a new player, you run the risk of just 
beating them up so hard that they just don't want to play anymore. Because there's a certain confidence. Yeah, there's a certain confidence you have to build in a game. Because, yeah, no, nobody likes a sore loser. But at the same time, it's like you have to get a little bit of experience under your belt, give the game a chance, and then you can start getting challenged more, you know, because you're not going to scare the person away by killing their hero off a couple times. So I was trying to keep all that in mind. And then it's true that, yeah, you could just give give the dwarf a bunch of equipment at the start. You could just say, oh, yeah, here's a stack of magical uh, scrolls. And it's like, but then why not just use the wizard at that point? Because what's unique about the dwarf? So I was trying to think of, I want it to complement the character. So I thought, well, of course, what's the dwarf skill? Fighting and disarming traps. So I put a lot of traps in there. So a lot of opportunities for him to roll. And occasionally screw up because it's not always going to come out in his favor but i guess my philosophy in this one was i wanted him to enter the base and he's looking for boren's artifacts so it's like he's going through layers of the dungeon so there's going to be sections so it's i thought well it's fairly linear but i i had to keep in mind like well what if he doesn't decide to go the way that i want him to go so i kind of force him to go a certain way it's like all right but i um I got some feedback from another uh, person on Yield In. I was just like, okay, can you look at this and tell me if you see anything wrong? Like, okay. So getting that extra feedback. Um, I haven't actually played it yet, but I did kind of play test it. So after I wrote the quest, um, I tried like just moving my finger because I didn't set the whole thing up, you know, full dress rehearsal. I just put my finger around. And I'm like, okay, if he meets this guy, okay, roll the dice. There's a reasonable chance he'd survive. Okay, next one, next one. Okay, what? Oh, he died right there. Mm, okay, well, could he survive? And so I'd like re-roll the dice and see like, eh, you know, is it a, so it's, it's not a hundred percent like you, like a simulation, but I tried to come up with a way that he could reasonably complete the quest and I tried to add up the monster body points and go, mm, it's a little too much. Let's just replace some of these bigger guys with smaller guys. I think the strategy I ended up with, which not everybody is going to do, is that he would go through a section, fight a bunch of monsters, and then he would get to some healing. It's like, okay, that's an old trope that you'd have in like, like Doom. Like, oh man, you blew up a whole bunch of, you know, cyber demons or whatever. And then, oh, a room full of health and ammo, finally. And so then you're ready to go for the next section. And then, oh no, a bunch of spider masterminds. Ah, and then, oh, a bunch of health. Oh, phew. <laughs> Just what I needed. So it's like one thing to the next because you otherwise it's like oh man you have no health and you're just you know barely surviving one thing i did put into this quest again i guess doom just keeps coming up is uh the, remember those key cards in doom where it's like oh i got the blue key and then the red and then yellow and it's like and now it seems kind of trite and kind of boring to do it that way but it's very logical it's very methodical you kind of once once they throw it at you a couple times, you you know what to do. So I did something similar with this. I think I think I even used the colors. <laughs> so I guess it's a tribute because it was like okay to gain access to this other area, you have to make sure you have this key, colored you know color coded key. And it was e they were easy to find, but it's like okay now you gain access to the next area. Now you gain access to the next area. But if you ever lost those, it's like okay you've got to make sure you go back and get that because you'll need it. Um, so with the, with the quest, I kind of just went, every room is a potential for failure, but it's also going to give you some respite. And then I wanted to reward the hero too, because I think what those early solo quest, um, 
official installments were trying to do is they were trying to take a basic hero and bring him up to speed with the uh, the rest of the party. So it's like, okay, make sure he gets armor, make sure he gets weapons, make sure he gets a toolkit, make sure he gets some gold and some potions. So by the end, he's ready to go. He's ready to go with everyone else. So it's like you're compressing an entire campaign into a short span of like three quests, which is really difficult. But on the other hand, you're very generous. So I just had it like, okay, you're going around, you finally get to the inner sanctum, and it's like, oh, there's Born's armor. Okay, there's Born's helmet. Okay. And it's like, yeah, you had to bleed for each of those uh, artifacts. But once you get them, you're like, I'm stronger now. I'm ready for the next challenge. I'm ready for the next one, you know, and, and so on and so on. Exactly, yeah. And so by the end, and I, I kind of did the... Um, Sometimes they do this in Hero Quest where they want the heroes to flee. It's like, okay, I know you're strong and everything, but I want you to run. And so there's different ways to do that. One is to just throw, keep throwing enemies. Like, oh, there's an orc. Oh, there's another orc. There's another orc. The problem is a lot of a lot of players will just be like, sure, let's just post up and start fighting them. Let's keep. Oh, we killed like 20. But we keep get, we keep killing them. And so what do they do? They're just going to keep on playing until they're all at one body point, and then they're like, yeah, let's run. <laughs> Now let's run. So I wanted it more to be, and at first I thought maybe I did went too far because I thought it would be exponential. So when you get to the final spoilers, you know, you get to the final room, it's like you cross this one threshold, it activates some rooms. Uh-oh. You cross the next threshold, more rooms are activated. It's like, okay, if I'm not getting it now, I better get it now. Like, I need to run. But the problem was, it's like, okay, but what if by the time you realized you're already too far like you're too far from the door and so you're like oh shoot i'm trapped so now i have to fight so i actually went through and i rolled the dice like could you fight this entire army no you can't you will get killed at a certain point but then i thought okay well so this means you have to replay this one it's like yeah unfortunately but but that's built into the game too because the way it's supposed to work is if you fail a quest for whatever reason zargon's supposed to remix it and he has the total freedom to remix it however he wants. So it could be really minimal. He could make it easier, or he could make it, you know, a completely new quest. But all the stuff that you're supposed to have, so all those colored key cards, all those artifacts are going to be found very early on. Like, oh, you get to the first room, and oh, there's the armory, and all your stuff is just waiting for you from the previous guy that got killed. Like, there it is. So there's an easy way to kind of give him another chance without totally looking like you just handed it to him because yeah the, you could be playing with an eight-year-old or you could be playing with a grown-up who doesn't like to lose <laughs> and wants to move on to some other game because you're being a meanie you know yeah whatever. exactly you gotta have that gotta have that balance what do you use hero scribe or what do you use to kind of map out your quests yeah you, you totally guessed it i totally use uh, hero scribe now there is a newer program out there it's called um Hero Quest, Hero Quest Builder, I think it is the online one. Is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah, it's like hquestbuilder.com. It's a website. Yeah, yeah. And and the guy who does it, I'm, let me check real quick because I don't want to embarrass myself. Squidge Monster, Squidge Monster. Yeah, yeah. It's really good, really yeah. intuitive, simple. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's all on a web page and it has a. I think it has a cloud based saving thing and you can print it right off your browser so he created and he takes feedback on hero quest fans he's probably in other discords too but you just say hey here's my suggestion he'll be like mm, okay but yeah it's really it's really easy and he you could switch easily between like the european looking 
uh, icons, the North American icons, and then the remake icons. So I think the remake icons is the, his contribution because Hero Scribe was made like 20, like last updated 2012, I think. So it, it's old. Now there is one interesting thing when I picked, I finally picked up a copy of the European Hero Quest from 89. And that one, like everybody portrays the maps as black and white. They're not black and white. It's, it's actually brown. <laughs> There's brown ink on white paper. Like usually when you download hand, homemade quests, it's like everything's like a tinted red or it's pure black and white, but I don't know, whatever. It's easy to print, though. You don't have to print it in color if you don't want to. So that's a thing. But but yeah, he made it very simple and he put in little modules where you can add your own icons. So I've played around with it a little bit, but I still use Hero Scribe. Like once I learned how to use it, because it was kind of a bit of a pain to set up, especially on a modern system, because you got to install Ghost Script if you want to export pdfs and once you create the pdf okay now you've got to combine it with something else because you don't have a space to put like your quest notes and everything because you're supposed to have the parchment text that tells you the little story blip and then each of the bullet points a b c d efg whatever that's another thing i i've 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 seen a lot of quests that were clearly designed by kids where they have like every letter of the alphabet it's like wow <laughs> this is this is a lot to, you're, you're flipping back and forth I think when you're creating a quest, simplicity is good. But on the other hand, I can respect complexity. It's just that I think that puts the burden on Zargon. Like, okay, the night before the quest session, you should probably read this over and just think about, okay, well, what am I going to do if they skip this room? Or what? how should I read this dramatic part where I'm supposed to like insert little story fl flavor text into the adventure? But a lot of quests are very simple. It's just like, a blank room just means draw a card. Like, that's all it is. Versus like, oh, no, inside the chest is a spear trap and a potion of healing and a scroll of warmth. And once you do that, the secret door opens somewhere else. And it's like, okay. <laughs> you just try to imagine how it's being played. So, but but uh, I think... He, oh, sorry, last thing. Yeah, hquestbuilder.com. He actually did does do a thing when you when you... When you're finishing up your quest, there's a spot for you to write in all the text and the bullet points and everything like that. Which I think somebody made, um, like a, I don't know if you call it like a code fork of Hero Scribe, where they started to do that, but they, it wasn't really fully realized. And it's it's hard to find nowadays. Like mostly it's just, hey, do you have that file? Like pass it around versus like hosting it on a website. So I think it's one benefit of this new guy's program is that it's easier to find and get working like right away it's slick and intuitive and easy to use so anybody that's what um maybe for criticizing avalon hill or hasbro would be their official one but maybe this guy's is just as good so i don't yeah where's their adventure design kit yeah <laughs> well they did at gen con they did have a little sheet of paper called the adventure design kit they handed out as some swag and it was like yeah this isn't really it because the icons aren't the right size and everything but it was kind of a like a nod to the past because we never had that but i think it would have been like if i were eight years old and you gave me like a sticker sheet with all the monster stickers i mean first thing i would have done is put all the monsters on the cover the board with stickers like okay that doesn't but then after that i would use the next sheet to actually do a real one I mean, that that's fun. But yeah, now we have digital stuff. So yeah, I'm kind of surprised they haven't done that already. But maybe they're thinking, oh, thank goodness the fans have done it. So we can focus on other things for a while. I know. I agree.
what do you think is a, a good or fun house rule that you've used in some of your quests? You know, we're talking about making your own quest. What's a, a fun, interesting story about a house rule that you have? Oh, yeah. Well, I have a new one since uh, we've talked last because as the HeroQuest fans community has, has grown, um, you know, from doing a weekly Twitch game on Saturdays, my little plug there, 6 to 10 p.m. Central plug Standard away. Time for now. <laughs> one of the things was, and this is this is a reason, because I've been criticized for my quests taking forever, uh, which is true, they do. It takes like four sessions to complete these things sometimes because all the chatter. But one of the reasons why it takes so long is because we have audience participation. So it's not just me being Zargon and like three to four other people controlling the heroes and telling me, yeah, I want my guy to go over to the north, six squares to the west too, and then have me attack. I mean, sometimes people bring their own dice. So there's all that. That's the game. But we're not tuning out the audience. The Twitch chat is going, depending on who shows up. And people can actually use their channel points, which we renamed Gold Coins. And it's not, you know, a pay to pay to win. It's like you build those up just by sitting in the chat. I made the values really low, so someone could just hop in and interact. So the really basic stuff like buy a potion for a hero. So some, it's like all of a sudden you see potion, potion, potion. This is like yes. Like, okay, give that to the Barbarian because he's about to die. So it, it kind of seems silly because it's like, okay, you're watching Batman and Robin, like, fighting the Joker. and Oh, no, they're trapped in the death machine. Oh, get them out. Okay, fine. <laughs> just, but, but I also balanced it out because they can buy extra monsters for Zargon. They can uh, require me to draw a Chaos card. So you can help the bad guys, too. And I had to clarify the rules for a couple of people because they were playing as a hero and they were buying stuff for themselves. Like, that's not quite how it works. I mean, yes, I know you earn those points, but the heroes are playing the game. The people in the chat are the ones who can influence. Um, and and it's still up to Zargon because I was thinking, well, what if it? What if you get uh, like a tug of war someday where someone just shows up and is like, I'm going to derail this game by just you know, making it super easy for the heroes. It's like, okay, so you need the the bad guy, the devil's advocate to show up and like give me tons of monsters to <laughs> But I mean, maybe maybe that day. I mean it's it's almost like you imagine like professional wrestling. I mean, it's predetermined. We all know that now. Sorry, eighties kids time traveling to, to now. But 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 I always imagined when I was a kid that the crowd actually influenced the decision. Like, if I cheer hard enough for Hulk Hogan, he's going to win, you know. But if I boo him a lot, maybe The Undertaker will take him down this time, you know. <laughs> and, and and that could happen. Maybe this this crowd is, like, hot for, for the heroes and they're going to succeed. Or maybe they're just like, nope, throw the bums out. <laughs> they're going to lose. Ah, he turned against us. It's like, oh, man, next week we're going to get him. So, you know, you cheer hard enough for your team, they win. So... That is, I guess, in its in and of itself, a house rule. But I, I, outside of like Twitch or some other community, how would that work? Like you'd have people sitting at the kitchen table, and you have people in the back going, "Hey," <laughs> you know, or like you know, Uncle Steve walks by and just like slams a, a potion card on the table and walks away. It's like what? <laughs> it would be strange. I like that idea for your streaming that the the viewers can help influence the outcome so that's a a cool idea for uh for streaming so but yeah you're right in a in a local kitchen table game 
just search for treasure. <laughs> like, well, but I, I think maybe just as a homebrew idea in general is what we've been talking about is kind of on the fly. If your heroes are doing really well, the, as, the, as the GM, you can just throw out some more traps, throw out some more monsters, or vice versa. If the heroes are really struggling, you know, maybe take away a monster or get rid of some traps or, you know, whatnot adaptive difficulty and i think that not to give away any secrets of how he does stuff but that's how my brother plays it's like when he gms he's very like on the fly seat of the pants you know he can just like adjust it like that it's like oh people seem to be bored okay boom you just found some more monsters you know it's just like on the other hand like part of me wants to say listen i'm like when i started doing the frozen horror like it hadn't come out yet and I just wanted to show people how hard it was. So I was just like, I'm playing it straight. The guy's walking right into a trap. Oh, he got killed again. Like, okay, let's do it again. Let's see if he does it. Oh, you know what? He just got overwhelmed again. What are you going to do about it? You know? But then after a while, it's like, yeah, um, I guess as the GM, I kind of like absolve myself from responsibility because it's like, oh, it wasn't me. It was the chat. <laughs> Blame it on them, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, the referee wanted to call it, but the crowd wouldn't let him, you know. It's like, ah. They were throwing stuff. They they knocked out the ref, and now, you know, Hulk Hogan's getting choked out. And Oh, man. I love your 80s Hulk Hogan references. That's awesome, man. <laughs> we Oh, yeah, that was the other house rule. We threw in wrestling moves. It all started... I'll tell you the quick story. Yeah. So if you don't care about wrestling, you're ah, whatever, this weirdo. But um, <laughs> fast forward. Yeah. So in the Frozen Horror, I was reading the notes. And actually, I think I got one thing wrong, um, which I won't really get into too much. But uh, when they when they re-released the Frozen Horror and they had that Into the Northlands quest, and it was like, okay, here's play testing, And they gave all these great suggestions, which I really give them credit for. Because a lot of those were my ideas. But I mean, I think they were common ideas that people had is like, well, this seems a little broken. Shouldn't there be a way to break out of the Yeti hug attack? Cause you, it automatically gets on you. And if you're by yourself, you're, there's nothing you can do. So in the, uh, in the draft notes that Luca Pashi was, uh, having discussing with various guys is, um, okay. You roll the dice when you get caught by the Yeti and one, uh, roll, like you get a white shield, that means you didn't take any damage, so you you survive, but you're still stuck. Two uh, white shields means you break out. And then I thought, what if three white shields were rolled? Then what happens? Like, oh, maybe you reverse it and you like judo throw the guy, you know, and then the monster takes damage. So it kind of took off from there. And so now we have a house roll on the Twitch Hero Quest where it's like, okay, you just just come up with a wrestling move and we'll just do it. <laughs> I think the, I think the most elaborate one was I mean because usually it's just like oh yeah you body slam the guy or whatever but um is like okay it's the Undertaker like if you remember the Undertaker like the lights would go off in the stadium and then they come back on and there's flashing lights that comes back on and the guy's like huh the other wrestler's like what and then the Undertaker's like right behind him and <laughs> does the tombstone pile driver so. I mean, I didn't watch wrestling as a kid, but even I remember that. It's like, wow, that was fun. So, so I actually dimmed the lights, and I tried to like flicker my little little desk lamp, and then it's like, and then I just like turn little piece over. Like, ah! <laughs> so, yeah, ah! so it was it was just a funny little silly moment, but I mean, everybody seemed to appreciate it because it was like, oh, it was your idea. Let's let's make let's it happen. Let's go with it. 
Well, one thing yeah. I want to get your opinion on, and maybe you've discussed this in some of your shows, is the online controversy about the Mythic tier. Should that be released to the public? Why or why not, in your opinion? Right, right, right. I'm glad you brought that up. So you, you can settle this once and for all. <laughs> yes, this is the final word. Like so many other things, I don't know the legal legalese of it. So if because it had those guest designers. So do they have any say in this? Do they care? Did they sign away their rights or do they have to give permission? So I'm sure Stephen Baker's on board. Like, why would he not be? I mean, as far as I understand, he's a freelance guy. So he kind of comes and goes. He's friends with the um, design lead leadership. So, I mean, I'm sure either if, if he has a problem, they would smooth it over with him or, you know, he would acquiesce to what they say, because why wouldn't he? But the other people, I don't know. I mean, for all I know, it's tied up somehow. But I know that the Dungeons and Dragons world is um, all subsumed under Hasbro. TSR, Wizards of the Coast, it's all part of the same company. So they could just, I would think they could just say, yeah, Teos, you step aside and we're going to just release your stuff. On the other hand, for all I know, there's some writing credit where if maybe they decide, no, um, only under these conditions. And it's like, oh, man, you know, so I don't know how all that works, but it. My understanding would be that there's no reason why they couldn't do that. They couldn't release it. Now, I know with the Guardian Knights that we were told this, um, that they signed exclusive deals with certain retailers to release this specific version of this product. So there was some fine print that said, I don't know if it was as simple as, like, if we change the pose of the character or rewrite the little story, like, oh, this isn't the commander of the Guardian Knights, this is the lieutenant of the Guardian Knights, or, you know, oh, how much, just kind of like the Games Workshop thing with the old world, like changing it to Dread Warriors and, you know, abominations, like, could they just, like, reword it slightly so we're not violating this agreement, but we're still releasing it, or is it no out of respect we're just not going to do it so i don't know what hurdles they would have there but i would think that a company like that they could figure it out they could release it now i know that their strategy and they've actually i guessed this for a long time but and carmine finally like agreed with me i'm like see i thought it was obvious is that they're trying to to walk that fine line between all the different types of fans you've got the people that want to just collect everything and have everything pristine and then you've got people that just want to play it more casual players like myself you know and everything in between so they want to please everybody as much as they can except for the scalpers on ebay they don't care about those people they want to actively undercut those people but uh so i could imagine them saying like okay i know we said that sir ragnar is an exclusive in this form so they could like dress him in different clothes and put him inside a different box. And it's like, okay, so the people that bought the mythic stuff, they their product is still unique and collectible, but there's a different version of it. Even though I would think like, I don't know, not really legally, but according to the rules of collecting, like if you re-release a, if you reprint a baseball card, is the reprint as valuable as the original? Probably 
not, you know, I mean, it's based on supply and demand, but, you know, a rarity, you know, or whatever. But yeah, the, the, the person who bought the original baseball card could still say, yeah, yeah, but look at the date stamp on it. This is the original. That's just a reprint. Yeah, for the people who just want the artwork or to have any version of it, it are happy with the reprint. But the people who really want the collectible version can get it. So even if those two Saragnars were identical, you would think there would still be people, yeah, yeah, but look at the look at the little mark there. See, this is the original. This is worth more. This one's still in the box, you know, or whatever. So but but I think they go the extra mile by trying to appease everybody by saying, yeah, 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 but this is a different version of Sir Ragnar. This is a different version of the Witch Lord. It's not the exact same one. We really were telling the truth when we said it was a limited time exclusive. This is, uh, you know, a better version. So I think that's the right tactic to take. So I think what they will do, if my suspicions about this new expansion are correct, this night expansion or whatever you want to call it, this prelude or postlude to the uh, uh, Mage of the Mirror, is that they're going to give us the Guardian Knight just in another form. And that, yeah. And if that's well-received enough, which it probably will be, um, that will continue to be the trend. And so they'll find ways to release all that other stuff. So, uh, because I think if they, let's say if they re-release the Prophecy of Telor from Stephen Baker's quest book, which I hope they do, the first thing they would do is make corrections because there was a bunch of typos in there. It's like, fix all those, you know, and, but I mean, maybe they could bring Stephen Baker in cause it was 13 quests like right quest 14. Yeah. Let's do 14. What about the, the, the figures from the mythic tier? What you think they'll kind of do if they release it, they'll do the same thing. They'll just kind of mod some of them or all of them. Yeah. Here's the dragon looks slightly different. He's like, crouched around the pillar instead of being right on top of it yeah they could do that because there's room for improvements there too now i could i could see it backfiring i could see the collectors being really mad like you said this was an exclusive i you know uh took out a second mortgage on my house so i could buy that and how dare you like these jerks you know like i could imagine on the other hand if i'm a company and i'm just trying to survive trying to make money i could say okay do i upset you know, 10,000 people, but make millions of people happy? <laughs> or do I keep that small group of collectors really happy because they love me, but then make all these other HeroQuest fans just leave them out in the cold? My thought is, let's go ahead and release the Mythic tier, but let's do it towards the tail end of the life cycle. So let's just say HeroQuest goes on actively produced for the next five years. To get a little extra life at the end, let's just release the Mythic tier and say you can still hide behind it and say well it was exclusive for the last five years you guys have had it exclusively for five years that's absolutely true well and that's that's probably the simple answer um, rather than doing it this way because yeah i uh, personally i i don't see hero quest like lasting forever i mean look at the, all these franchises you know lord of the rings star wars the idea that you're going to constantly have new content coming out every single year and always making those same numbers is a pipe dream. Like, it's just not, you know, you run out of ideas. Unfortunately, fandom turns against you or gets split. It's just, it's too hard to maintain. And unfortunately, a lot of these companies just don't seem competent to do it because it changes hands. They get too many, too many cooks, you know, spoiling the broth and all that stuff. Something small with HeroQuest, like, as long as they keep the main game and hopefully, you know, the majority of the expansion is just available. 
it's going to be fine. It's going to be like Monopoly and all those other games. Like people are always going to buy it. I mean, maybe it's not going to be like the top seller always, but it'll have that longevity versus we have to just keep churning out product after product. So if they do it for a few years and yeah, if they could just say, oh yeah, to celebrate the anniversary of the return of Hero Quest, here's the, here's the new thing, but don't worry. You know, your original sealed in the box Mythic Tier is still worth a lot. And uh, yeah, you had it for all these years before everybody else, but now the rest of the world gets to enjoy it too. That's how I'd like to see it. Said, hey, you know, but mm-hmm. some people, boy, online, they're like, no, don't ever release the Mythic Tier. We we started it. I'm like, but still, if it's five, six years later after the release, come we, on. We funded it. Well, you just do. You remember the uh, the Lord of the Rings extended editions, uh, where like the movie's over, Fellowship of the Ring. Ah, oh, that was good. I wonder what else they changed. And then the credits start, and it's like the entire Lord of the Rings fan club, and it's like ten minutes of like names. Like, dang, <laughs> they could put. I mean, that'd be a lot of work, but they could put all the names of all the people that like pledged, or just at least their pseudonyms, you know. Or at least put a link and in there. Here's here's a link to the website yeah. with everybody's name there. All the funders. All yeah, the funders. that's true. See, that's that's yeah. I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that way they'd be saying, like, we're not throwing you out. How would you like, we, we know we've got some expansions coming, obviously. How would you like to see, or what are some some fun, interesting expansions that you would like to see? Not what you think Avalon Hill will do, but what, what would you like to see in the future? Well, I was just making a comment to somebody on the Discord recently, the HeroQuest fans Discord, not the Avalon Hill one, about how entitled fans... And I try not to. I try to make it clear I'm not jumping on this person because. But I you, sometimes you hear that entitled fans, entitled fans. What that means to some people is, oh, we're just a bunch of whiners. We're never happy. You know, we hate everything, or we just want it now, demand it, and it's like we're unreasonable. And the poor artists putting out the product are just trying to do good art. And why? Why are you so unreasonable? I don't think that's what this guy was trying to say, but it just made me put me into rant mode because <laughs> I think there is that that sense that it's like but I think most people have a sense that well there's certain fans that are reasonable and then there there's other fans that are unreasonable. So I think what I would like to see is everything from the past. Like as much as they can, all that legacy stuff, re-release it. By hook or by crook, find a way legally to do it. Dark Company, Marvel Winter Special. And yeah, there may be some things where you just can't get it. Like that particular fanzine, you know, no longer exists and that person can't be found or they just said, hell no, I hate HeroQuest. You can't use my stuff. Like, okay, fine. All right. I guess we'll skip over that one, you know, but we'll still release as much as we can. And, you know, it'll never be complete and you can always track it down on eBay. That's what I would like. But I'm also of the opinion that the original stuff, like I was never against that. I guess I just thought my take on it was I hope they do release original content, but I just hope it's worthy of the name. And I hope they don't neglect or they don't focus on that to the neglect of remaking some other quality things. Like I would rather see like Wizards of Morkar against the Ogre Horde released than not, you know, even if they gave us like 10 other unique packs. I mean, yes, it's true. As a fan, you can go back and you can recreate anything from the past. Like, you know, I really want to play The End of Chaos. Too bad it's not re-released. Too bad I don't have the money to buy that magazine. It's like, yeah, you can find a scan of it and you can just, like, create your own version of it easily. 
but having official acknowledgement of those products i think is important for the the history of the lore as for, in terms of like what i would like to see i think i agree with you and i think you made a very prescient uh prediction with those individual packs like the hero packs and it's like extra furniture well they threw that in with the elf quest packs you know i'd like to see more of that i would like to see someday you know how you go into your friendly local game shop however they say that and it's like okay yeah i can buy warhammer but i can also buy just a pack of warhammer dice or i oh i can buy an extra pack of skill cards you know to to use in my game you know maybe alternates or maybe just spares because people do that anyway like you can go online and like get yes somebody has carved up their mythic tier into every little piece and they're selling each one individually and you're like trying to complete your collection because you got that one piece that's missing oh man the candles broke on the sorcerer's table i'm gonna have to buy those little candles now for like 20 bucks a piece i think i think offering those pieces is good um is a great idea um both for spares and for extras like i'd like to see like a deck of skill cards just a generic set of combat cards to use in your game and yeah that's going to inspire people to go yeah i like this but i could add like five more cards to that deck and then it would be perfect fan suggestions quest we talked about quest contests and all that kind of like mario maker type I would community love that. creations yeah i would love that definitely because then that takes the pressure off the company because they can say okay phew we don't have to do a major release every year we can leave it in the hands of the fans but we're not being lazy because we're still sponsoring that community and say, hey, look, look at the outstanding work of these custom creators. Look at look at what these fans did. You know, see if you can better better it. Um, one thing I'd like to see is, and this is my little thing, and yeah, I know I made fun of the 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 orc bard <laughs> a lot, as did everyone else, just about. But the um, just make a, a monster pack of you know play as the bad guys like that'd be an interesting oh. little one-off adventure you know okay. what if uh, and yeah you could you could make them the heroes if you wanted to well here's some guys that you know broke their mind training and decided to join the rebellion against the the forces of chaos or whatever um, you could do that or you could just do yeah here's an orc raiding party and. Here, here are their adventures. You know, put slap a mature rating on it and <laughs> go from there. I think it'd be kind of fun. And uh, one thing, when I first saw that screenshot um, that was teased for the this new expansion, I immediately thought a mercenary pack. And it's like, nah, it's not a mercenary pack. But that could be interesting. Like, you know, we talked about the Guardian Knights. Um, well, this is the commander. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Why is the commander joining the heroes? Like, don't they have forces to command? Like, do they all get killed? This is the only one left. But you could have um, a pack, and it's like, okay, here's the rest of the Guardian Knights. You know, here's the lieutenant, second lieutenant. Here's the uh, corporal or, you know, all the ranks. And maybe each of them have different abilities, or these are generic guys that you could throw into your game. And, you know, it's a suggestion. There's cards, but you could also just decide, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to use them as whatever I want. So I think, uh, yeah, a kind of bad guy campaign, a kind of inversion would be interesting. And maybe that could be a setup and you could go all kinds of ways with this, like a player versus player kind of thing, which I guess would tie into like war gaming. You know, you have like the orc team or the chaos team and then the heroic team or the king's army or whatever, and they'd be fighting. So you could bring in battle masters again. You could... You could go a lot of different directions, but I think one of the problems with trying to get a player versus player 
uh, scenario is like, well, who goes first? How do you get initiative? Like, there's no mechanic. So it's like, well, it's like in chess. Okay, white doesn't always win just because white goes first. But it's like, okay, there is a big advantage. So the barbarian and the wizard get to fight, and the barbarian goes first. Well, he just killed him in one hit, you know. <laughs> Darn. I like that. Those are cool ideas, Kurgan. I, I appreciate it. Well, hey, I've got a, we got to cut out here, but it's been a, a fun discussion, and we'll definitely have to do it again. But I'll put a, a link in your show or in the show notes for your contact information. So check out the all the different Twitch streams and uh, plug again your time that you uh, play. Yeah. So usually uh, Fridays from two to four p.m. Central Standard Time on Twitch.tv/slash HeroQuest fans, we'll do some kind of discussion recap. Sometimes we read game books, so not real hardcore stuff. Chill. Saturdays, most Saturdays. Uh, 6 to 10 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time, we'll actually play HeroQuest. Now, I have wanted to play other games like Space Crusade, which is a game I'd love to see come back, but to be honest with you, there just aren't as many people interested in that game or just unfamiliar with it because it's not as widespread. But yeah. Yeah. So Friday, Saturday, definitely the times. And we're always on Discord, HeroQuest fans Discord. So. And I always link that on my show, too. <laughs> Definitely. I encourage anybody that's listening to this that likes HeroQuest, join the Discord. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. There's some fun discussions talking about customizations, homebrew stuff, news, ranting. Lord, Lord <laughs> dumping. Oh, yeah. And every other Thursday, The Strange Bus and I do um, the rant cast. Uh, that's usually like 9 p.m. until we get tired of arguing <laughs> with, about stuff. <laughs> well, and I, I just want to make clear, it's when we say ranting, we're not just talking about like bashing stuff, like being negative. Um, there is some enthusiastic talk too. Unfortunately, a lot of the a lot there have been a lot of disappointments in the world of entertainment lately. So there's definitely a lot of stuff to complain about. But we try to also give credit where credit is due. And sometimes we're wrong. Sometimes we're wrong. And that show. I mean, at some point, I like it to be like a call-in show. Like people would call in and say, "No, you guys are wrong," and here's why. That could get really interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that'd at be the cool. end, we have to kind of calm everybody down and say, "Okay, we're all gonna be friends after this." Talk, talk <laughs> everybody off anybody. the cliff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but because there are other opinions, it's not just one monolithic thing. Yeah, yeah. and I, I should clarify too. I'm not. I love HeroQuest. I think this release has been great. Obviously, I have some criticisms, but in general, it's been great. So I, I, I love what Avalon Hill's done and re-energized the whole community, I think, in, in a lot of good You're ways. You're on the right track. Yeah. You're on the right track, for yeah. sure. Cool. Well, hey, Kurgan, I appreciate it. I'll let you go, and uh, I'll get this uh, released and definitely reach out to Kurgan, and we'll, we'll talk again next time and see what we can uh, discuss more about HeroQuest. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lee, and uh, keep up the good work with Covert Nerd. I've really enjoyed being part of it and seeing what you have to come up with each uh, each time, too. All right. Thanks, Kurgan.